Hello and welcome to the Thoughtful Language Learner podcast. My name is Makoto, and I'm the author of the book The Thoughtful Language Learner. Are you a struggling language learner? Do you feel like you lack the confidence and skills to learn a foreign language? I believe that cultivating self-awareness and understanding who you are as a learner is the key to success. And through this podcast, I'm bringing you the contents of my book. Each episode will cover a new chapter, sort of like an audiobook. And what's cool is I'm bringing you each chapter through some text-to-speech technology. I hope you like it. Chapter 8, Rethinking Fear and Anxiety. My wife and I moved to China in the summer of 2013 with our young daughter. It had been a dream of ours to live a part of our lives overseas, and especially to give our children a cross-cultural experience to learn about their heritage. My wife and I also came to China to learn the language and culture. I was excited and yet anxious at the same time. A year earlier, there had been some strong anti-Japanese sentiments that had been welling up in different parts of China. Specifically, in the city we would soon call home, there had been a mob incident where a Chinese man had been pulled out of his car and brutally beaten simply for driving a Japanese brand. Over the past centuries, China and Japan have had a mixed and complicated relationship. In the back of my mind I wondered if my Japanese ethnicity would be something that would bring me trouble down the road. I came to China to make friends and learn the language. But a part of me was afraid to reveal my ethnicity. In the months following our arrival, our interactions with locals always followed a predictable pattern. A shopkeeper or taxi driver would say, Oh, you sound like you're a foreigner. Where are you from? My wife and I would reply, From America. After a slight look of disbelief, they would always follow up with, Are you an overseas Chinese? I would often let my wife respond first, Yes. I'm overseas Chinese. Born and raised in America. And then the moment of truth. Sometimes the shopkeeper or taxi driver would simply assume that I was also an overseas Chinese. Other times I would simply let the moment pass. Yet there are a few occasions, which I'm not proud of, in which I lied. When asked, what about you? There are a few times I've answered, I'm the same, an overseas Chinese. I justified my actions for the sake of convenience. I didn't want to take the time to have a lengthy conversation with a shopkeeper or taxi driver. It was easier if my wife and I were both Chinese-American. Yet looking back now, I regret those moments. They could have been moments for more language practice, but also moments for me to connect with locals on a personal level. My own fears and anxiety about my ethnicity have occasionally held me back from speaking in those early days of our life in China. I had assumed that revealing I was Japanese would bring me more harm than good. Yet, in the five years we have lived in China, my family and I have never faced a single negative encounter because of my ethnicity. I look back and wonder about different conversation opportunities I missed because of my internal fear. In this chapter, we will look at how the emotion of fear can hinder the language learning process. Understanding your assessment. Fear and anxiety is a big factor that can influence our language learning process. We all experience fear and anxiety at different points in our lives. 
particularly when doing something in which the potential for trouble or embarrassment is high. For example, public speaking is a common fear that most people have. Just the thought of standing in front of a crowd, with every eye staring at us, makes our heart beat faster and triggers our fight-or-flight response. From neuroscience, we know that different parts of our brain have specific functions. For example, the limbic system is the part of our brain that is primarily concerned with survival. It controls much of our base emotions such as hunger and pleasure. It is also the part of our brain that controls our unconscious actions such as the beating of our heart. Some people affectionately refer to this part of the brain as the reptile brain or lizard brain. Another part of our brain, the neocortex, is the part of our brain that is in charge of critical thinking and decision making. It is also responsible for things like imagination, creativity and language ability. It is helpful to think about these two parts of our brain as it relates to fear and anxiety. As one author explains, the lizard brain only wants to eat and be safe. The lizard brain will fight, to the death, if it has to, but would rather run away. The lizard brain cares what everyone else thinks, because status in the tribe is essential to its survival, the lizard brain is the reason you are afraid. Usually, our lizard brain and the neocortex work together as one. But occasionally they come into conflict with one another when fear or anxiety show up. For example, when the teacher calls on us to give a response or when we see the opportunity to raise our hand and share our opinion during a business meeting. Our neocortex might tell us that this is a good opportunity to practice our speaking or share our ideas. But our lizard brain thinks about everyone in the room staring at us and tells us to run away. As our lizard brain completely bypasses any rational decision making, we end up flustered and forgetting what we had planned to say. This is a big problem when it comes to language learning. When fear and anxiety are present, it causes a breakdown in our language ability. Or it may even cause a complete avoidance of certain situations. In turn, we lose opportunities to practice our language. For example, we want to raise our hand in class but we are anxious about using our language in front of others. Or maybe we are anxious about talking on the phone with a local and so we dread every time we get a phone call. All of us face fear and anxiety in certain circumstances and situations. We need to ask ourselves what those specific areas or situations are and think of ways to minimize its negative effects. What the research shows. For many of us, we take for granted the fact that we learned to speak our first language as a child. We don't remember how hard it was to learn how to speak and listen. Yet when it comes to learning a second language as an adult, we all experience the pain of bumbling through simple words and sentences like a baby. It's no wonder that feelings of anxiety and fear are common in language learning. When talking about anxiety, researchers make a distinction between facilitative anxiety and debilitative anxiety. That is, anxiety can sometimes be helpful and motivating. It doesn't always have to be harmful or demotivating. For example, we often find that having a deadline at work motivates us to perform and get things done. Some people may find that having an upcoming assessment or exam can motivate them to study harder and rise up to the challenge. Yet if the stakes of an assessment or exam feel too high, the anxiety can have a negative effect. Some learners may end up performing poorly. They may find that their mind goes blank because of nervousness. 
The key here is to reflect on the reason for our fear and anxiety. Missing a deadline at work or failing an exam at school has real consequences. But our fears around language learning rarely have detrimental consequences. Apart from a wounded pride, we move on after making a mistake. Learners who have this awareness are able to regulate their anxiety more effectively. With self-awareness, we realize that our worst-case scenario in any language interaction is really not as life-threatening as we imagined. A group of researchers sampled over 500 university students and looked at emotional intelligence and foreign language anxiety, FLA. They describe how second language learners with a higher level of emotional intelligence are better able to control impulses, manage stress, and maintain a positive attitude in the face of challenges and frustrations during the acquisition process. They found students who possessed a higher level of emotional intelligence or experienced a lower level of FLA were more likely to perform better in English examinations. And that students who were more emotionally fine-tuned, or less anxious, in English classrooms tended to self-rate their English ability more optimistically. Applying your learning attitude. How did you score in the LLAQ, in the area of anxiety and inhibition? When you think about your language learning, what are the things that make you anxious? What types of situations make you nervous? Take for example the story I shared about Mark Zuckerberg in Chapter 2 and how he made the decision to do a question and answer session all in Chinese. Most of us would get very anxious thinking about speaking in front of a large crowd at a prestigious university, especially doing it in a second language. We would be afraid of making a fool of ourselves in front of hundreds of people. Our lizard brain would be urging us to run away. But maybe there is a way we can slowly work up to the challenge in a way that doesn't trigger our fight-or-flight response. One author discusses the possibility of this through a philosophy called Kaizen. All changes, even positive ones, are scary. Attempts to reach goals through radical or revolutionary means often fail because they heighten fear. But the small steps of Kaizen disarm the brain's fear response, stimulating rational thought and creative play. Kaizen is the Japanese concept of continuous, incremental improvements. It was a key business philosophy that helped Japanese car makers rise to great success in the 1980s and 1990s. This philosophy can also help us in moments we face fear. By asking small, gentle questions, we keep the fight-or-flight response in the off position. Kaizen questions such as what's the smallest step I can take to be more efficient? allow us to bypass fears. They allow the brain to focus on problem-solving and, eventually, action. Maybe at this moment, you wouldn't be able to do what Zuckerberg did in the language you are studying. But could you answer one question about your job or career in the language you're learning? Or maybe you could handle a five-minute interview about your profession? Think about the things that currently trigger anxiety or fear in you. How could you take these tasks and break them down into smaller, more manageable pieces? Find ways to slowly work up to these different tasks and skills you want to master. We are all familiar with the Chinese proverb, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. As we will see in the next chapter, it is important to have long-term goals. But sometimes these big goals overwhelm our lizard brain. If this happens to you, Take some time to pause and think about the individual steps.
Big changes comes from the small, incremental improvements we make each day. I hope you enjoyed this chapter of my book. If you found it helpful, send me a message, let me know. Also, I have a free PDF that introduces some of the assessment tools mentioned in my book. If you're interested, just go to rebrand.ly forward slash free PDF. Thanks for listening.